Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about motivation, Dave. I don't know. I just don't feel up to that. You're not motivated, huh? I'm not really motivated. I mean, isn't that one of the the things they say in the military? You got to motivate. That just means move your tail. Well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) So, motivation from what perspective, Ann? Well, I mean, as we're talking about persuasion, we've got to think about if we're trying to persuade somebody for whatever purpose, we've got to think about their motivation. And that often might be different than our own. So we've got to be able to separate the two. Well, actually, that brings up, and I'm sure we'll get there because we always do, but an entire side conversation, which is what is our motivation and is it internal and external, right? So there's two really motivations we need to look at here, which what are their motivation and can we speak to it? But how do we do that from a non-manipulative way? And that's going to be driven by our motivation. Your power is for good and not evil. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, so what do you mean about internal and external though? Let's start there. So I actually distinguish between motivation and inspiration. Ooh, the Rosenberg twist. What do you mean, Dave? Years ago, when I was in college, um, I had a buddy of mine that every couple of weeks we would go out outside of Philadelphia in Bucks County. There's this huge state park called Tyler State Park. It's this massive wooded place. It's absolutely gorgeous. Creeks running through it. It has a lake in the middle. I, I don't know how many mega acres it is, but it's big. And right outside the park, was a stables where you could rent horses. Oh, cool. And my friend Bruce and I would go every couple of weeks and rent horses and go riding in Tyler State Park, or at least that was the plan, because neither one of us actually knew how to ride formally. But we'd rent the horses, we'd get on them, we'd try and get them away from the stables. They didn't want to go. We'd get <laughs> off them, we'd drag them out of sight of the stables, once we were out of sight of the stables, we'd get back on them. And if we get them to walk at all, we had to give them the heel. Had to just, you know, constantly heal. We had to motivate them to walk. Mm-hmm. One day, I rented a horse named Skittles. <laughs> Skittles was aptly named. Bundle full of energy. Getting him to move was not the issue. Right? Getting him to move where I wanted to, that was another conversation. <laughs> He would back me into bushes and trees. He'd lay down and roll all over me because I didn't know how to ride. I'd go, I had a friend of mine in college. She was a show jumper and I would share with her my stories of woe and misbegotten on these nags of horses. And she would give me tips. She'd say, oh, you know, where's your weight in the saddle? Where's your foot in the stirrup? And I'd go back and try it and it would work. And eventually Skittles and I came to an understanding that he would go where I guided him. See, Skittles was inspired. He didn't need to be motivated because he was inspired. When somebody's inspired, 
You learn to guide them where you want them to go. Like I had to learn Skittles. Motivation's external. The foot into the heel. Into the, the side. Into the yeah. side, rather, into the heel. Yeah, I, my legs aren't that long to get the, the horse's <laughs> heel. But right, the, the, the heel into the side of the horse. The moment you remove the motivation, horse stops moving, right? So people try and motivate money or something. Oh, I'll give you a bonus, okay? That's fine until the bonus goes away. Right. They don't earn a bonus. Right. Well, I'll give you a day off, which is fine until the circumstances arise where you can't give that anymore. So yeah. from a leadership perspective, I like to know what inspires people. It's that internal motivation, like pride in a job well done or accomplishment or feeling like they're part of the team or feeling like what they do matters. All of those are intrinsic motivation is the word that I use. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So how do I, as a leader, inspire somebody or how do I, as a salesperson, inspire somebody to move in a direction that I think is right for them? Well, and it's interesting because I just thought of the Coca-Cola commercial. You remember back in the day, I'd like to teach the world to sing, right? And that's playing on that intrinsic motivation of wanting to be a part of a group, wanting to be a part of the team, essentially. Had nothing to do with Coca-Cola being refreshing and tasting good. It was all about being part of that group and being belonging, yeah, it, which is all intrinsic motivation. Huh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's actually almost a form of uh, social proof in a sense, right? I want to be part, right? I want to join. I want to be- If I drink crowd. a Coke, then I'm going to be part of this group. Yeah, I'm going to be part of the world singing. I'm going to be in the in crowd. Yeah. Which if I think about like, Cigarette commercials sometimes do the same thing, like Virginia Slims with all the pretty ladies hanging out, smoking together. <laughs> but I think I've taken this too far. But yeah, but but when it comes, <laughs> but when it comes, I just remember those because when I was little, those were the coolest ladies ever smoking those little skinny cigarettes. But that that's more of a blink into my youth. And their fingers were usually incredibly long, almost alien. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, those intrinsic motivators or that inspiration is so much more powerful because people feel good. It's an emotional response rather than just that logical response of, I will get paid more if I. Right. I, I've had plenty of people in my career who think salespeople should be money operated, coin operated is the term I've heard uh, bandied about a lot. I didn't come up with that one. And they should be driven by money. No. I mean, they may be, you may hire somebody that's coin operated, but whatever drives them, we need to know what that is so that we can work within that or potentially avoid a misplacement if what drives them is um, antithetical to whatever you're trying to achieve. Right. And that gets back to our original point of understanding what motivates them. You know, whether it's persuading somebody to do their job well and to show up for work or persuading somebody to buy your product, your motivation and what you think would matter may be different than what matters to them. And so really getting to know the people and what does make them inspired and motivated is really important. Yeah, which of course brings us back full circle to some conversations we've had uh, countless times before this and will continue to have which is that whole rapport part of uh, ah, yes. persuasion, right? There's a reason every sales process since, uh, you know, I'll bring up Coco Pelli again, my favorite old sales guy, 
right? But since Coco Pelli was wandering the, the plains through, you know, Tommy Hopkins and, and today, the every sales process starts with creating some sense of rapport. You need to get to know somebody. You need to get them to trust you so that you, they will show you what their internal motivation is. What is it that inspires them? What are their aspirations? What are their goals? Yeah. And, and again, going back to the intrinsic versus extrinsic, I've heard that external motivators get compliance while internal motivators or those intrinsic motivators get commitment. So you play to those emotions and you get a much stronger commitment, but you have to understand what their motivators are. Yeah. And I think what's really critical here is there's no quick road to that, right? It's, it, it, it's a slog. You have to genuinely care about the other person. I mean, that, that's rule number one. If you don't, you can figure, how do you generally care about somebody? How do you find that, you know, and sometimes we meet people where on the surface, at least at initial blush, you're like, ooh, yeah, ah, this is not my cup of tea. What do you do? Well, and, and the first, I think the first piece is a mindset piece and it's stop expecting you from other people. Because oftentimes we block ourselves from hearing what, where they actually are by expecting ourselves from them. And when they're that much different than us, we need to really open up our minds to something very different than what we're expecting or what we would come out with ourselves. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. One of the things that I've learned, and it's taken me six decades to learn it, um, and I didn't come up with this. I actually read it recently. I was reading um, uh, Busting Loose from the Money Game. And, and he talks about that people are put in front of us or, or into our lives. They play one of three roles. And one of those roles is reflecting something back that we're either thinking or feeling about ourselves or a belief yes. that we may have. So if we start having a negative reaction, I know I've learned from me about somebody when I really peel back the onion, it's because I'm seeing something about me and I'm like, I'm not real happy with that myself. Yes. <laughs> so if you care about yourself, you could probably care about somebody else. And if they're showing that to you, look for it in yourself and figure out, okay, you know, how, how do I give some love to that? Yeah. How do I, yeah. How do I see this in a positive light? Because it's so easy to jump to that judgment, jump to that negativity without looking a little deeper and saying, what is this telling me? Well, you know, my hunch is that for all of us, whatever that is we don't like about ourselves also serves a positive purpose, right? It's not all negative, right? There, right. We, we, we created that, um, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, personality trait, because it serves us somewhere but doesn't serve us other places. So if we could figure out where it serves, we could look at this person and go, I could see where that would be beneficial to, to be that way. And then we, we can, you know, connect at that level. Right. And, th and that takes a lot of emotional intelligence and a lot of emotional maturity to be able to take yourself out of that angry, frustrated, upset, offended position to look at the situation in a, um, in a subjective, no, an objective light to be able to separate from it and see it from the outside, not from your emotional reaction to it, but from 
just a completely non-emotional place, an academic place almost. So let's move from this sort of esoteric 30,000 foot level. And it's important, I think. I, I, I love, you know, we need to have a broad perspective of everything to understand the why, right? It's not just about root doing things, but, you know, why do we need to do it? And, and, it, and it helps me, at least, to understand um, what my personal, you know, stuff is when I sort of have this broad perspective. But at the end of the day, I need to learn to understand your internal motivation or your what inspires you, however you want to word it. How do you recommend somebody does that either uh, in, in a sales or a, a leadership role? I think by asking questions, by asking open-ended questions, you can start to identify what they value and start really listening not only to what they're saying, but what it represents from that 30,000 view of what they value. Then you can start speaking to that. And I think the more you practice this, the more you're able to listen for those answers. Because sometimes it's not only what people say and then how, and what they say in answer to the question, but how they answer the question. And maybe they answer a different question than you intended to ask, but that can also be very instructive. Would you agree? Uh, you know, absolutely. It's funny you said that. And I want to I come back to how they answer that question because you're, you're onto something there. But what they answer is just as important, right? Because we yes. know communications is imperfect. You know, we're, we're interpreting the world through our five senses. We all experience things differently. We all develop our own um, uh, filters, which then inform the words we use. We think everybody sees the world the same way we do, which is to your earlier point, you know, everyone's just us. They're not, yeah. but aspects of them may be. And so they hear a question differently than you intended it. And, and a lot of times that can be really informative because that means that's top of mind for them. It's, it's closer to the surface and it's much more important. However, they heard it and dig with more questions into that. You said something else that I think is really important. Right? So how do we know when we're getting close to that? Well, when somebody gets emotional, we all make decisions emotionally. This is a scientific fact. It's been proven that the emotional centers of our brain react faster than our frontal lobe, our prefrontal cortex, you know, where, where the decisions are made. And there's a direct correlation between the emotional response and that decision, positive emotional response, positive decisions, negative, negative. And so when we hear somebody start saying, you know, you start asking, you know, what would it mean to you if, or, you know, how would it affect you? Let's imagine for a second that this scenario that you've described comes true. What would that, you know, how, how you start asking those sort of open-ended questions and they start getting emotional about it. You know, you're into their the real stuff. Right. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that tears come to their eyes and they, you know, it's, it's the, you, you can feel the passion, you can feel the excitement, or you can feel the, just the, oh, in the conversation over, you know, and this can tell you how they're responding to it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so now when you need to couch things, and again, not to do things in a manipulative way, but you want to speak to their concerns, yeah. to their emotions, let them know that you heard them and that whatever it is you're trying to guide them, decision you're trying to guide them on, assuming it's true, right? Because sometimes I've done this and I go, oh, well, this isn't going to solve that problem. Uh, right. right. And you got to be willing to, at that point, back off and go, maybe I'm not the right thing for you. Right. right? But, but assuming you are, talk to that as well. So they know they've been heard. Yeah. 
Well, and that's that's the key here. And that's that whole rapport slash trust building thing is saying, I hear you. I'm listening to what you're saying. And I'm trying to understand what matters to you in this whole thing. And I like what you said about that that question that they answer a little differently than you were expecting or that you what you were asking, again, tells you what's top of mind and what they're really thinking about. Yeah. Now, those of us who are looking from a leadership perspective versus a sales perspective, we have an advantage. One of the things that I always recommend is that when you're hiring somebody and even just periodically, right, do assessments and there are assessments that will gauge the um, uh, the motivation of people. There's plenty out there. Let them know what's important to them. You know, um, And if you have that tool, use it. It's an objective assessment. Right. Yeah. And again, sometimes, I mean, we say we can ask the questions and find out and, you know, have the conversation. But ultimately, sometimes when you're doing an objective thing like that, you get a lot different answers because there isn't that relationship and that, those roles playing a part in their answers. So, yeah. So getting that other view can really help. Well, that and the people who create these assessments, uh, you know, they're really good at, at testing, right? They'll yeah. ask the same question differently, you know, a bunch of different ways and they get validation. So they validate the answers. It's not just one and done. Do you like chocolate or vanilla? Oh, chocolate. Okay. Yeah. You know, oh, what do you prefer on strawberries? Chocolate, uh, um, dark chocolate or, or light chocolate? Oh, I prefer white chocolate. Maybe they won't really like chocolate. You know, yeah. or whatever, because you know, white chocolate isn't chocolate. Right. But it's delicious. It nonetheless. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So what else do you do to start to understand people's motivation and how to how to speak to those motivations? No, I, I love the question. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And I've said this before in other I think it's one of my favorite questions. Um when you know, so you you ask you might ask an open end question. Let's just let, let's get out of the sales role. You know, I, I believe uh, as leaders in business, and I say business. Of course, this could be any uh, organization, really. You know, we should have one to one meetings with our team members, not for any other purpose than to get to know them better. Yeah, and and I don't mean to minimize that. I think that's the best purpose you have. And it sends a lot of subliminal signals we could talk about at a different time when you do that and you're giving up your time for somebody uh, and, and that's huge. And so, you know, you might ask, you know, you know, where do you see yourself in 20 years? You know, all those sort of typical questions. And that's, that's really like your opener. Tell me more. Yeah. That's one of my favorite follow-up questions, right? Because now it's completely unguided. And as I said before, what comes out it's usually the really st starts to be the more important stuff. And so come up with five different ways of saying, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is an interesting point that you bring up, not only five different ways to say, tell me more, but prepping your questions in general, you know, relying on improvisation to come up with these things that are trying to achieve a specific outcome can really not help you in the end, right? So thinking about what questions would actually help me get the, that information um, and thinking about based on the context of whatever you're trying to persuade or understand, prepping those questions ahead of time, inclusive of 
ways to ask. Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, and the benefit of having those questions ahead of time is now you can use deep listening. Yeah. Now I can look you in the eye. Left eye, by the way, folks. I can look you in the eye, right? Not mad dog somebody. Um, and actually, Darren and I covered that uh, a year or so ago in one of our podcasts, right? I said, actually, look at their left ear, right? They can't tell they're not making direct eye contact, but but you know, you're not challenging somebody, especially if you've got a strong personality like you do, and you know, and you're looking somebody dead in the eyes <laughs> to put somebody off. Right? But you look I've at never their left. Never thought of that before. But, you know what's funny too? I was on a date the other day, and every once in a while, I was like, "He's not looking at my eye. Like, I think he's looking at my. Do I have like a pimple on my ear or something? Because I think he was looking at my ear. Now that you mention it, like, oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, and, th- and those are the most annoying pimples in the world, by the way. I know. <laughs> but anyway, like, uh, it's funny. I wonder if that was a tactic that he had learned at some point to he probably listen to my be intimidating. Probably. He listens, yeah. He probably listens to you and Darren. Yeah. Yeah. You should ask him. Um, in fact, you should ask all of your dates. Okay. Do you listen to uh, disarming persuasion podcast? No. Um, check please. I got to go. <laughs> I should oh, put that on the profile. That's, that's my silent phone ringing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as you were saying, look him in the eye. You can deeply listen because you're not thinking about what your next question is going to be. That's exactly it. That we've run off topic, but we still know what we're saying because we have these questions written out. Not, um, <laughs> but practice your deep listening skills. And, yeah. and, you know, there's nothing wrong by the way. And here's something else I learned, right? I actually like that silence. Sorry, I had to do that, folks. Um, right? But somebody you says just muted me, so I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> somebody says something, and and right, you think oh, I got I, I got to fill the void. I go, no, take a few minutes and sit on it. You know, well, especially I, when you've asked a question like "Tell me more," they may not have they a may not be ready for that. And they want to think about what else they want to say. And so giving them that space says, I genuinely want to know more. And you're absolutely right. After they finish, give them some space. Right. I learned this in Dale Carnegie. This was a bit manipulative, but it, it taught me to pause, which is you say your phone number backwards before you ask the next question. Oh, my God. I think that would take me like an hour. Well, that's the point. Oh. Right. You. You, if I told you something important, you wanted, I want to know you chewed on it. Right. And so I'm not suggesting you do that, but it taught me patience and what it really taught me and and do this. If you're unsure about what I'm saying is that it's okay for there to be some moment of silence while you reflect on what they say or reflect on how to do recite your phone number backwards, whichever it may be. (laughs) But, but if you, if you think that uh, I'm kidding, seriously, tell Give your phone number backwards before you ask your next question. And then what you'll find is that 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 time is actually okay, which means I can listen to their answer without formulating my next question until they're done. And then I take that phone number backwards time to actually formulate my next question. And your face will change. You'll look contemplative. And then when you ask a question, the follow-up question, it's going to be an informed question that they will appreciate. Hmm. Okay. I just can't 
stop thinking about the fact that if I tried to say my phone number backwards, that's all I would be thinking about. <laughs> I'd need a pen. I'd say, can I have a pen? That would be my next question because I need to write it down. But anyway, I digress. I understand your point here is giving them a chance to truly finish and not moving on before they have actually given you all the information. That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> So people are going like, what is with these nuts? What are they doing? I still can't. I've been trying to like say my phone number backwards. I'm like, I can't do it. Can you say your phone number from when you were a kid? No, because we moved too much. But I do know my grandmother's old phone number. There you go. 419-562-2786. Yeah. So call, call for a good time. I don't think she still has that number because <laughs> they don't have phones in heaven. Aww. And that's why I know grandma is having a, having a stroh's. But anyway, I digress. That was grandma's motivation. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about as I was considering motivation and understanding what somebody else's motivation is, is once you discover what you think it is and you're speaking to that motivation, speaking to outcomes rather than to benefits. Absolutely. Nobody cares about the benefit. Right. Or, or nobody cares about the feature. The benefit Features, yes. should I'm be. I'm sorry, that, yeah. I misspoke. Yeah. 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 No, I, right. I said, well, benefits, benefits can be, but you want to talk to their outcomes, not the benefits in a sales situation, not the benefits that, that they think or that the sales people or the marketing people say, you know, um, you know, makes clearer skin. Actually, here's a great example. I'm a 15 year old kid. It's been I'm a looking, long time since that was the truth. At Sorry, least, a, at least a year. Yes, and and right, I'm I'm looking for right some um, um what do you call it a, a acne, acne cream acne cream right so that it has I don't know this super duper active ingredient who cares the benefit is it makes my skin clear but that's not what I really care about I want to get out on dates right. Exactly. Right. I want a date to the dance. I want a date to the dance. I don't care what my skin looks like. I want, I, I think the skin looking better is going to give me the date to the dance. Talked about the date to the dance. Right. Ultimately, that's what I want to achieve by having the clear skin. Yes, I want clear skin, but I want it. So I get the date to the dance, right? Yeah. I want more sales so that I can reach my sales bonus and get a million dollars and buy a new car at the end of the year or whatever. Right. And it's buying the new car. Right. Okay. Or taking the wife or hubby on a vacation, right? right? Or sending the kids to private school or buying the new house or, right? Those right. are the things. And so asking that question, what would you do if you're in a sales situation? What would you do if you could save 15% on XYZ product? Well, we would hire another person. Okay, awesome. We can save you that so you could hire that other person. Now I understand what it is you want to achieve ultimately. Right. They or, don't have to make that leap themselves. Or I'm trying to get you to embrace a new process as, you know, as, as somebody work, you know, in part of my team. So I don't talk about how the new process is going to help the company. It's how the new process is going to help you. Right. Like, what are your goals? Maybe your goals are to advance in the company. Well, I know you may not like this new process. And if you embrace this and show the people how 
you can take on projects, even ones you're not 100% behind and do it as if you were, then they're going to see you as a go-getter and you're going to get the plush assignments, bloom where you're planning. The potion, yep. Or I know this process is a little harder, but it's going to allow all the information to be accessible by the customer on the website and they're not going to have to call you. And you'll put up less irate customers. Right, exactly. You don't have to answer the phone. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Whatever it may be, who knows? Right. They know. Right. And it's identifying what it is people want to achieve. And speaking to that, Dave, I think that is the perfect place to call this closed. All right. It is officially closed. Well, folks, tell you what, why don't you drop us a line? Let us know what your favorite techniques are for um, finding out what internal motivations people have. And we'd love to share it. If you have a great story and you want to be a guest, let us know that as well. That would be fun, Dave. Let's bring in some guests. Yeah. We haven't had a guest in a while. That's I a know. 2022 re- resolution. How's that? More guests. More guests. I'm motivated to come up with that. And I'm inspired. Ooh. All right. With that, we're going to call this a week. Until Have next a good time. one, everybody. We'll see you next week. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Anne Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. <laughs>